Well, hey, Rocky Peak, Michael here, and good to be with you as we uh, kick off this uh, new series together. Uh, so if you haven't met yet, I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to welcome you uh, to our online service in this time of teaching. And I especially want to welcome those of you uh, who have been joining us uh, live on campus on Saturday nights or Sunday. Uh, this weekend, we're not able to meet just because of uh, weather, both rain and, uh, and wind uh, in the forecast. Uh, but we're looking forward to gathering next week. As we, as we share this week, we're going to be combining our Saturday and Sunday night services to create a larger service, pick up a little bit more warmth on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. So I hope to, to see you next week there. But uh, I want to welcome you to, to joining our online community here as we together pursue God this weekend. So uh, excited about kick off this new series. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this time to be together and for this new series, a new adventure, a new start, a fresh start for a new season. And so, God, we're just uh, so thankful for your desire to bless our lives and to teach us how to live under your blessing. And so I pray that today, I pray you'd fill me with the power of your spirit. I pray as we gather around your word as your people, that your spirit will be speaking to us wherever we are, whether in a home, whether we're in a park, in a car, wherever we are, you join us together as one. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, our story starts today in the middle of the day. And that's when he gets the news. That's when he gets the message. That's when he gets the summons. And so he heads off to the meeting. And when he comes in, he's not really sure what it's about, why he's been summoned, what he's going to be asked to do. But when he hears the request, when he receives the assignment, when he hears the promise, he is so excited. He tries not to overreact, but after he leaves... Uh, he is just ready to go. This is something that he's been waiting for for so long. And now it's within his grasp, finally. And yet before he can come back to claim the promise that has just been made, that he has to first carry out the assignment. And so he goes back to his place, he packs up his gear, he heads out in the hopes that this will go come around sooner rather than later, quicker than he hoped, that he'll be able to go back and claim the price. Not knowing that in this day that his life is about to change forever. Well, today we're kicking off a brand new series. It's called The Blessing, God's Pursuit of His People. And I'm very excited about this. This is one of those series that... Uh, there was birth in me uh, probably last summer when I was hiking uh, up in the hills here. It just came all of a sudden, and it's just been an exciting journey for me to study this, to prepare this, and I'm really excited to, uh, to open up and begin this journey with you. And the core idea uh, behind this series is what we're going to see in this series is that when God created us as a race, that we were created to live under the blessing of God. But because of our rebellion, so much of that has been lost. But the story of our race, the story of the Bible, is how God has been moving through time to restore to each of us the blessing for which we were created to live. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kick off this series by doing a quick flyby of five key passages in the Bible that help us understand this big picture story the Bible is telling, this story of the blessing. And so there in your note sheet, you have a section 
It's called The Blessing, uh, The Basics. If I had to rewrite this right now, I would call it uh, The Story, the, the Blessing, The Story, because that's what we're going to be doing. And you'll see there on your note sheet that there are five bullets, uh, five passages of Scripture. And in a sense, one way to look at this would be as if this was like five chapters of a story that God is telling in the Bible. Uh, there are more chapters that we're skipping, but these are five key chapters in the story. And so what we're going to do is just quickly delve in and, and see how this story of the blessing unfolds. And so there in your note sheet, you see the story starts uh, in the opening chapters of Genesis, in Genesis chapter one, with the creation of the world. And so the, the story starts in, in Genesis chapter one, if you've ever read Genesis one, you'll notice that uh, the story of our race starts with, uh, as we're introduced in chapter one, to this incredible creator who is brilliant and powerful and creative, uh, a God who loves beauty and order and who uh, is completely good, who out of that creativity, that beauty, that goodness, he creates this amazing cosmos. And if you've ever read Genesis chapter one, you may notice that, that the whole story of creation leads up to the high point of the creation, which is the creation of the first man, the first woman, to rule over this creation, to be, to be like the creator, uh, to be in relationship with the creator, and to rule over the creation for him under his blessing. And so as you get towards the end of the chapter, this is how, uh, this is how it's described. Uh, there in your note sheet in Genesis 1. So God said, uh, let us make mankind. And so in the, the Hebrew, the work is Adam. Uh, it's where we get, you know, Adam. So we, it's Adam, the uh, mankind, the, the human race. Let us make Adam in our image to be like us, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move around the ground, move along the ground. So God created Adam in his own image, like him. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, quick sidebar here. This is not what we're talking about today, but quick sidebar. You know, we live in a culture today that's trying to radically define human sexuality at every level. And I just want to point out here that, that what the Bible says is that God has, has created us male and female, so that, that being male or being female is part part of our design, right? It's not something we choose or something we alter. This is part of our core design. Of course, in the New Testament, Jesus quotes this very passage when, when talking about divorce and kind of reaffirms this teaching of Genesis 1 about the importance of male and female as part of our core identity created in the image of God. But we move on, and so God, um, so it says that God created them in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them, and then catch this, and God what? God blessed them, which is the topic of this series. God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves across the ground. So this is how the story of our race begins. 
we're introduced in Genesis 1 to this incredible creator who out of his love, out of his goodness, out of his creativity, creates this amazing uh, cosmos. High point is the creation of the first man, the first one to be like him, to be in relationship with him, and to rule over this creation for him under his blessing. But if you know the account in the opening chapters of Genesis, this doesn't last for long. Because in chapter three, that the, our, first, uh, our first parents, first man, first woman, rebel against the creator. And as a result, to a large extent, we have lost the blessing of God. In fact, in Genesis chapter three, we're told that all of creation came under a curse because our first king and queen rebelled and led the creation against the creator. Okay, so that's, that's the first chapter of the story. We're created for blessing, to rule under blessing. Then we move on to chapter two. In chapter two, I called it the call of Abraham. So by the time you get to Genesis chapter 12, the, the story, the, the earth is pretty messed up. The race is pretty messed up. But all of a sudden, in chapter two, the story takes an amazing twist, an amazing turn. And in chapter 12, we're introduced to a man named Abram. His name, is, well, Nate, his name will uh, later be changed to Abraham by God. But we're introduced to this man. Now, Abram grew up in Mesopotamia, like modern-day Iraq. He grew up in a pagan family, a pagan culture. But at a certain point in his life, the, the real God reveals himself to Abram and calls him to follow him. And he promises that if he will leave his homeland, leave his extended family and follow him, that God will bless him. This blessing will be restored. And so as you look there on your note sheet in Genesis chapter 12, this is how the Bible describes it. So the Lord, and when we, we read Lord, it's, Lord is uh, in all caps, that always means Yahweh, the personal name of God. So the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. So that's the, that's the command. Listen to me, follow me. He said, and here's the promise. And if you do that, I will make you into a great nation. And I will what? I will bless you. I want you to, I want you to count how many times that word bless is gonna come up in the next couple of verses. Then I will bless you. He said, I'll make your name great and there's become famous, respected, and you will be a, what? A blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So five times in three verses, we see God reveals himself to this man in the midst of a pig from a pagan background. He says, trust me, follow me. Then if you do, I will bless you. I'll bless you in every way. I'll protect you. Uh, I'll make your name great. I'll bless you financially. I'll prosper you. Um, and the ultimate promise that he ends up this passage with is that through you, Every, uh, the, the whole earth will be blessed. Now, when he makes this promise that all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you, I'm sure Abraham had no idea how that would be fulfilled. But I want you to underline that line on your note sheet. 
uh, circle it, underline it, highlight it, do something. We're going to come back to it later. It's going to play a very important part in the story the Bible is telling of the blessing. But what I want you to catch here before we leave this is I want you to catch how God pursues Abraham and he pursues him to bless him. He comes after him. Abraham didn't know the real God from a loaf of bread. I mean, he, he was uh, a pagan. Uh, his uh, family was pagan, worship, worshiping other gods, the moon god and Ur and so on. But the real God came after, after Abraham and he came after him to bless him and through him to bless the whole world. Let's move on to chapter three. So the third chapter in this story is what I'm calling the blessing of Isaac. Now, we're going to spend a little bit longer on this one because this helps us understand this concept of blessing that we're going to be talking about throughout this entire series, kind of how important the blessing is, how the blessing works. So what we see in the life of Abraham is that God is going to fulfill his promise. Abraham leaves, Abraham follows, and God begins to fulfill his promise. And if you study the life of Abraham, you watch as God begins to bless him financially. His herds uh, grow, his flocks grow. He becomes very wealthy. Uh, he becomes a very respected man. He, he becomes, his, his name is, starts to be made great. Um, he's protected. Many times God steps in supernaturally protect him as he travels in this foreign land land. But the greatest blessing of all is the gift of a son in his old age. So Abraham uh, was a very old man when he had his first son, um, uh, or the, the son with his, uh, his wife, Sarah. Uh, he was actually 100 years old. Sarah was 90, and they'd never been able to have children. And so this promise of becoming a great nation all hinged on this supernatural birth that God made possible late in life. And so he had a son named Isaac. And Isaac grew up, and when Isaac grew up and when Abraham eventually passed away, the blessing of Abraham was passed on to Isaac. In fact, there on your note sheet, we see in Genesis 25, after Abraham's death, God blessed his son, Isaac. Now, Isaac is going to marry a woman named Rebekah. And they're going to have twin, uh, twin sons. Their first, their first, uh, her first pregnancy, they have twin sons. And these sons that are born, their names are Esau and Jacob. And of course, though they're twins, Esau was born first. And so as the firstborn, Esau had uh, what we call the birthright, the greater portion of the inheritance, but he also was in line to receive the blessing. The blessing that God had given to Abraham and then been passed on to Isaac, now was that Esau was in line for it. And uh, through a series of events, uh, Jacob uh, made a deal with his brother Esau, and Esau gave up the right to the birthright, but not the blessing. Uh, but through a series of events, we're going to watch Jacob steal the blessing from his brother Esau. Now, this takes us back to the story we started the day with. We started the day with the story of this man who's been summoned to a meeting. He goes into the meeting, um, he receives a, uh, an assignment, 
Uh, but he's also made a promise, a promise he's been waiting for his whole life. When he comes out, he's very excited, but he has to first carry out the assignment before he can return to receive the promise. So he gets his gear together and heads out, hoping that this will go well. Uh, this is a story of Esau and his father, Isaac. And so this story is going to involve four key players. We've got, uh, we've got Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, and then the two sons, uh, Esau and Jacob. And so what happens this day is that uh, uh, Isaac's a very old man at this point in his life. His eyesight is going. Uh, very likely, some of the rest of his senses are, are not as sharp as they once were. But towards the end of his life, he calls in Esau. And uh, Esau's always been his favorite. Esau is a man of the land. He's the outdoors guy, sort of the bare grills of the family. He, he loves to, to haunt, and he just, he's, he's an outdoor guy. And so he calls him in, and he says, you know, it's time for me to pass on the blessing, you know, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Isaac. This is something that Esau has been waiting for his entire life. And so he's very excited, but his father says, but before I give it to you, I want you to go out and do some hunting, find some of my favorite game, kill it, bring it back, prepare it just the way I like it, and then bring it in for me to eat, and then I will pass on the blessing. And so I'm sure he's so excited, he heads out to look for this wild game. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, overhears this conversation. Now, she's always loved her younger son, Jacob, the most. He's more kind of, they're, they're more uh, kind of kindred spirits, and uh, on top of that, when Rebecca was pregnant with the boys, uh, and remember, this is a day and age where they didn't have ultrasound, but she was pregnant. She had a word from the Lord, a prophetic word, that inside of her were two sons, and that these sons were going to grow up to lead two separate nations. But surprisingly, the younger son would be the greater of the two, that he would rule over the older son. His nation would be stronger. And so we don't know if that's why, if she felt like she needed to help God out fulfill this prophecy or what the reason was. But for whatever reason, she comes up with this scheme. She pulls her younger son, Jacob, her favorite in, and she says, hey, we've got to act quickly. Here's what's happened. She tells him the story, and she says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to deceive your father, my husband. She says, I want you to receive the blessing. And so she says, I, I want you to go in and pretend to be your older brother. And uh, your, your father's eyesight's really bad. I don't think he's going to be able to figure this out. We'll dress you sort of how your brother dresses um, and, uh, and I'm gonna make a, a special a dish that, that tastes a lot like the wild game that he loves. And at first, Jacob doesn't wanna go along. He's afraid that the father is gonna discern what's going on and he's gonna come under a curse, not the blessing, but she can finally convinces him. And so finally he goes in and they pull it off. In fact, there on your note sheet, we have the blessing that Isaac spoke over his younger son, Jacob. And so he blessed him. And he said, may God give you heaven's dew and the earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. So what he's praying here is for financial prosperity, that he would be blessed 
in uh, financially. And he said, may nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And so we don't know this. The Bible doesn't say this, but there may have been other sons that were born later on. We just don't know about that. Be, be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. In other words, will you, will you have power and leadership in the family? And then he said, may those who curse you be cursed. And those who bless you be blessed. You hear the echoes of the blessing that Abraham received from God. And of course, this was a, a promise uh, a, 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 about uh, a prayer for uh, protection from his enemies. And so we see here as he, he prays over him, he prophesies over him this blessing, this blessing of prosperity, of power, and of protection. And so, of course, as soon as, as, soon as Jacob leaves, Esau comes back and he's, he's quickly found the game. He's prepared it. He's so excited. This is the day he's been waiting for his whole life. And as he comes in, he discovers the treachery that he's been betrayed by his brother. Then he's both heartbroken and furious. And he's going to beg his father for some blessing for himself. But look what, I want you to notice what Isaac says. And this helps us understand the importance, the power, the significance of the blessing. He says, when Esau heard his father's words, in other words, when he told them what had happened, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, bless me too, father. He begs him for a blessing. But he says, listen, he says, your brother came deceitfully. And I want you to underline this. He took your blessing. Now, this is critical. Because I think often we tend to think of a, a blessing as just a, a kind of a, a well-wishing uh, I just want to, it's, it's almost like a, a great greeting card that we would send to someone. We just wish you the very best. We hope things go out. Like it's just an emotional content to speak our heart's love for someone. But what you see here is the blessing is much more than that. The blessing is that this prophetic word that creates what it describes. That when God blessed Abraham, he wasn't just saying, I hope things will come out. He was blessing it and he was releasing that reality into his life. And when Isaac speaks blessing over Jacob's life, it released something. That blessing was gone. It was tangible. It was gone. You couldn't get it back. You might as well have given him the family heirlooms. He's taken them. They can't be taken back. It's been set in motion. And so look what Esau says. Then he asks, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Is there nothing left? And Isaac answered Esau, listen, I've made him Lord over you. I have made all his relatives your, his servants. I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what? can I possibly do for you, my son? What I want you to catch here is the nature and the power of the blessing in the same way that when God spoke creation into being, it released his power. 
that so in the same way is this blessing. It releases what it describes. Now that leads us to chapter four in this story. And I'm calling this the blessing of Aaron. And so now we have to fast forward about 500 years from the time of Jacob and Esau. And so sure enough, that blessing that was spoken over Jacob is going to come true, and he's going to be blessed. However, because of his treachery, this is going to lead to a lot of pain in his life as his future father-in-law is going to rip him off and deceive him and betray him many times over, much like he did his brother Esau. And yet his family is blessed. The, the blessing still comes upon Jacob. And, uh, and so Jacob, later in his life, his name is going to be turned changed by God, just like Abraham's was Abram to Abraham. His name is going to be changed by God from Jacob to Israel. And Israel is going to have 12 sons who will eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. And later on in their life, towards the end of Jacob's life, they're going to go through a tremendous famine. And so he and his 12 sons and their families, about 70 people, are going to travel down to Egypt. And when they arrive in Egypt, uh, they're going to be reunited with their younger brother, Joseph, and they're going to end up settling there. But eventually, they're going to become slaves for over 400 years. Finally, Moses, the great deliverer, is going to come and rescue them and take them out through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And once they're in the wilderness, over the next 40 years, God is going to begin to give them uh, a series of laws to govern their new nation. And it's in this context that God speaks to Moses one day and says, I want to, to teach you how to teach your brother Aaron, who's the first high priest, and his sons. So all priests are going to come from the family of Aaron and his sons. I, I want to teach Aaron and his sons how to put my blessing, not just on one or two, but on the whole nation. And so there in your note sheet, we have this famous blessing from number six. It's going to sound very familiar to some of you. So, so, so it says, the Lord, so Yahweh, right? The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, your brother and his sons, the first priests, this is how you are to what? To bless the Israelites. So say to them, so this is the blessing that Aaron and his sons are going to speak over not just one, but the entire nation. So the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, Yahweh, bless you and keep you, that he would protect you. That Yahweh would make his face shine on you, he'd smile on you and be gracious to you. You'd experience his love and grace in your life. The Lord turn his face towards you um, not away from you in anger, but towards you. And he would give you peace. In the Hebrew, shalom. Peace at every level. Not just internal peace, but peace from your enemies, peace from the struggles of life. He would bless your life. And then he goes on and says, so they, these priests, will put my name on the Israelites. They'll belong to me. And I will bless them. Did you see that? He says, this is what they're to speak and I will back up these words. They will speak it 
I will carry it out. I will bless them. And here's what I want you to catch. What we see in this account is God's desire to bless his people. He pursues Abraham to bless his life, but not just to bless Abraham, but to bless his descendants and to bless eventually, as we'll see, the entire world. God is pursuing his people to bless them. Now, the question is, where is the story of the blessing going to land? Where is it headed? We don't have time today to go through every chapter of the story in the Bible and watch the story unfold. But what I want to do right now is jump to the end of the story, the final chapter of the story of the blessing. And that is the blessing of Jesus. So earlier in this story, way back at what I call chapter two, the blessing of Abraham, the call of Abraham, you, you remember that one line that I had you underline, that God promised to bless, uh, bless him in every way, um, but uh, bless Abraham in every way, but at the end, the final line was that through you, every nation on the earth, every people will be blessed. Well, as I mentioned at the time, when God makes this promise, um, no one really knew what it meant. But as we come to the New Testament, what we're gonna discover is that that was often like a subtle hint, like a, like a gifted author will put a subtle hint in the early chapters of the book that you're gonna see come to fruition later on, that it was a, a, a hint of where this story was going to come. Because what God was saying is that through the line of Abraham, one day a very special son was going to come that through him, the entire creation would once again be blessed. And of course, it takes the New Testament to call this out. The apostle Peter calls it out early in Acts, in the book of Acts when he's preaching about Jesus. The apostle Paul calls it out in his letter to the uh, Galatians. In fact, there on your note sheet, Paul's gonna connect the dots for us in this story of the blessing. And so if you're familiar with the story of the, the book of Galatians, the letter of the Galatians, Galatians is all about how God has acted in the Messiah to restore our lives and to bless us. And that how our relationship with God can't be based on our efforts, our earnings, our performance, like I like to say, but it can only be based as a free gift of God's love and grace based on the performance of Jesus who died for us, his life for our life, so that I could be forgiven, restored, and come under the blessing of God again. And so in chapter three, he says, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Those who trust in the Messiah to make them right with God are those who are children of faith, like Abraham. In context, he means it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a as a physical descendant of Abraham, or whether you're a Gentile, but you just trust in God and his promise uh, like Abraham did. He says, scripture foresaw, remember I talked about how a gifted author will, will put, a, put hints on uh, the early plot line of a novel that will only come to fulfillment, fully be understood towards it in the final chapters. He says, well, scripture foresaw 
that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that he would make the Gentiles, not just Jews, right with God by faith, not by our performance, but our faith in the Messiah. And he said, and he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. Well, what do you mean? And he quotes from Genesis 12, the passage that we studied earlier, that all nations will be blessed through you. I want you to catch this. The apostle Paul calls that promise the gospel. That that God spoke the gospel to Abraham. That one day through your line, that all nations will be blessed and that this was a subtle reference to the coming of the one that we call today the Messiah. And he goes on, he says, and so those who rely on faith, in other words, we trust in God to make us right with him through the death of Messiah, not our own performance. So those who rely on faith, catch this, they are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith that we enter into that blessing that God has been pursuing our race from the beginning of time to restore. It says that he redeemed us, uh, he rescued us in order the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, the whole world, through Christ Messiah, Jesus, so that by faith we might receive, now underline what comes next, the promise of the Spirit. So Paul says that God was preaching the gospel to Abraham when he made that promise. That one day, one would come from his line who would rescue our race, that through his death, catch this, not only we could be forgiven, but we'd receive the gift of his spirit who would change us from the inside out, empower us to live a whole new life so that we can live under the blessing of God. Next week, we will unpack that more. But for today, this this story leads to two questions. And there in your note sheet, you have a section called the blessing, two key questions. And I wanna get real practical now and kind of put the cookies on the bottom shelf, talk to you about your life and the blessing. And so here's the first question. The first question is, Do you believe the blessing? Today, we've taken the time to unpack the story, this big picture story the Bible is telling of the blessing. We've watched as the story starts with this incredible creator, this brilliant, powerful, creative, loves beauty, order, completely good, who creates his first king and queen to rule for him, to live in relationship with with him, to be like him, and to rule over creation under his blessing. We've watched how how we lost that as a race, but then we've watched how God has been pursuing us, how he pursued Abraham, and he pursued Abraham to bless him, and not just Abraham, but his descendants through him, and not just the nation of Israel, but each of us through the coming of Messiah. That God is pursuing us to bless us. And the question is, do you believe that story? Not just theoretically, not just theologically, but personally for your life. Do you believe that God is pursuing you personally, 
to bless you, that he is for you, not against you, that he loves you to death, he's after you to bless you. And here's what I've found after many years of ministry, my own life and just talking to so many believers, is that many times we, we believe that story theologically. We believe it theoretically. I've just walked you through the story. It's sort of self-evident once we point it out. And so at a certain level, we believe that theologically. But sometimes it's very different when we believe it personally. Sometimes it's hard to believe the story because the reality of us is that for many of us, just the life experience we've had, especially our early life experience in our family of origin, maybe with our father, maybe with our mother, maybe they were absent, or even if they were there, you never felt their blessing on your life, that you never felt truly loved, you never felt truly appreciated or wanted or approved. And so there's sort of a, a hole in your heart. You've gone through your life looking for the blessing. There's a hunger there. And what happens is that even after you've come to Christ, perhaps, you project maybe your father or your mother kind of the way they relate to you onto your heavenly father. And so it's, though you believe it theoretically, it's hard to believe it really that God is pursuing you to bless you, that he's for you, not against you. Sometimes I think for many of us, we struggle with believing the story of the blessing at a personal level because the fact is our life has been hard whether it's the way we were brought up or what we've gone through or health situation or financial or job or career or family or a divorce or whatever it is, that life has been very hard. And so as we look back over our life, it's, it's hard to believe that this God who's pursuing Abraham to bless him is pursuing us. For some of us, I think it's hard to believe in the story of the blessing because honestly, some of the sins, the things that we've done in our life, we're so ashamed of. And it takes everything we have to believe we're just forgiven in Christ, but to believe that he truly loves us, is pursuing to bless us, is just, we can't get over our past. We carry too much shame, too much guilt. And it gets in the way we wanna believe that he's pursuing us to bless us, but it's very hard for us to actually get there. But of course, this is the good news of the gospel. It's the big picture story of the Bible. This is what Paul's talking about in Galatians, that, that the good news is that God has pursued us. That he's pursued us not because we deserve it or what we have done. He's pursued us because of his love. And he's made a way for us to come home and to be made right and to come under the blessing, not because of our performance, but because of his in fact, I love the way the Apostle Paul describes this, what he says in Ephesians chapter one. As he starts his letter to these Christ followers at Ephesus, there in your notes, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's praising God. 
who has blessed us, there's our word, who has blessed us, and I want you to catch this, in the heavenly realms, which is a way of saying, hey, Jesus has died and risen. He sits at the right hand of God, and if you're connected with him by his spirit, you're organically connected. You sit at the right hand of God, too, over the powers of darkness, like we talked about in the last series. But he says he's blessed us who are in the heavenly realms, catch this, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, quick sidebar here. Notice he says every spiritual blessing, not every physical blessing. What you see in the Bible is that in the Old Testament as God entered into covenant with the nation of Israel, that often most of the blessing apart from the blessing of their relationship, but, but the blessing that God promised, like with Abraham, was, was usually physical, right? It's protection, it's prosperity, it's a great name. It's usually here and now, and it's usually physical. As you move into the New Testament, you see a greater emphasis on the spiritual. The promise of that the blessing is, is more spiritual, and it's more future-based, you know, like just Jesus said, blessed are the poor, theirs is the kingdom of God. He's, Jesus was always looking about the next life as we've talked about. And so you see some of both in both testaments, but what we're gonna see is that there's, there's gonna be both, but there's gonna be more of the spiritual in the New Testament in our relationship with Christ. More promise there, although there's a definite overlap between the two. So what Paul is saying here is he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, catch this, in Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that when you came to Jesus, you are no longer in yourself. You've died with Christ. You've risen. You are in Christ. And as a man or woman who's in Christ, you have received everything that God has to give you spiritually. That he loves you to death as he loves his own son. He's completely for you, never against you, and he's pursuing you to bless you in every way, every spiritual blessing. It's interesting, you remember, like when Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water, you remember what the Father said, this is my beloved son. And you know, the word for that in Greek is the word agapita, like agape, but my beloved son, agapita. And you know, later in Ephesians, in chapter five, God, uh, Paul will refer to you and I as God's children, as his agapata children, his beloved children. And so when we come to Jesus, we enter in this new relationship with God where we have been restored and all spiritual blessings, he's for us and not against us. The question is, do you believe that? You know, it's interesting because in Luke 24, there's a fascinating passage. And to be honest, I'd never really noticed this. I never really made a big impression until preparing for this series. But you know, when, when Jesus left, we're told in, in Luke 24 that after his death, after his resurrection, that Jesus is going to ascend to the Father. After being there 40 days, he's going to ascend to the Father. And the very last thing he does, a beautiful picture he raises his hands and he blesses his followers. He speaks the blessing on their lives. I want you to see it there in Luke 24. He says, when he had led them, when he, Jesus, 
had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, which is uh, just a couple miles outside Jerusalem up on the Mount of Olives. Catch this, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And catch this, while he was blessing them, he left them and taken them up. So when Jesus left, he said, let me speak the blessing over your life. Like, like God had spoken it over Abraham, like Jacob had spoken it over Esau, like Moses would later speak it over the nation of Israel, like Aaron would speak it over the nation of Israel. The last thing they saw was a picture of Jesus ascending to the Father and blessing them. What an incredible picture. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is the picture you need to carry in your mind that you are his son, you are his daughter, and he speaks blessing over your life, a blessing that creates what it describes. He speaks forgiveness, he speaks power, he speaks enabling, he speaks grace, he speaks wisdom, he speaks correction, he speaks blessing over your life. And the question is, do you believe that? The second question is, are you living under God's blessing? One of the things we're gonna see in this series is that God is pursuing each of us to bless us, but that blessing is not automatic. Let me give you a great example. Earlier today, we studied the prayer of Aaron, the the blessing of Aaron, where he would speak God's blessing over the people. We saw how much God wanted to bless. But what we'll see is that this is not automatic. In fact, at the end of his life, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, Moses is standing before the people. And he is about to, they're about to, to, he's about to die soon. They're about to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. He's gonna tell them what it takes for them to succeed. He knows that God wants to bless them. He spelled that out. He says, but you know what? Blessing is a choice. Next week, we're gonna unpack this in much greater depth. But I want you to see what he says in Deuteronomy 30. As he, as he brings his, one of his final speeches to a close, He says to the nation, I have set before you the two paths. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live. Choose the blessing. And these are two big picture truths we're gonna be coming to back again and again as we go through this series. That God is pursuing you, he's pursuing me to bless us. But the question is, will we listen and follow, come under the leadership of his spirit in these different areas of our life that we're going to be exploring so that you and I can live and experience the blessing of God? Let's pray together. Father, as we come to kick off this series, we're just so thankful for this amazing story that you're telling in the Bible. The story of a God who is powerful, creative, completely good, brilliant, who is pursuing us to restore what we lost, the blessing. You've worked throughout history through Abraham and Israel and through the Messiah to restore that blessing in our life. 
And so, God, we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart. We pray that any wounds that we have from our past that make it so difficult for us to see you as a father who longs to bless us. We pray that that any hardship we've gotten through that has caused us to question your goodness. We pray that any sins we've committed that have caused us to question the blessing, that those would be washed away. And God, as we go through this series week by week, you'd open our eyes to see you afresh for who you are, that you are a God who's pursuing us as a race, who preached the gospel to Abraham, that from the very beginning, has been pursuing us to pour out your blessing. It's the deepest desire of your heart to bless us and we not live in that blessing. And would you teach us, Father, open our eyes of what it takes to come under, to live under the blessing so we might receive and we might experience that blessing that comes as we are listening and following you into our future. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.